Welcome to Under Review Deep Dive, an in-depth look at one of the four sports we usually cover. We'll take a look at the best teams and top players right now. I'm Micah, he's Sam, and this week, European football is under review. Alright, let's start with the EPL. I think probably, you know, the thing that's going to be either the most popular before the Champions League. We'll see. The biggest thing has got to be Arsenal, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. They're sitting at first in the league right now, almost exactly halfway through, about 19, 20 games in, depending on which teams you're talking about, out of a 38-game season. Yeah. Arsenal are sitting at the top of the table on 50 points right now, okay? They are right now five points clear of the top, uh, but with a game in hand on Manchester City, who are in second. And, he- and here's the stat for you, okay? You ever heard of the Invincibles? Right. This was the nickname yeah, yeah, for the yeah. 0304 uh, Arsenal team that never lost a game in that right. calendar year. Dang, or that's still crazy. Season. Bro. That's still I think it was crazy. the season. Might have been the calendar year. Anyway, at this point in the season, in that 0304 Invincible season, they had 45 points, which means that this Arsenal team is on track for a better season than that Arsenal team that never lost a game. And to be clear, like that's crazy, but this Arsenal team has only lost once yeah so they just have more wins than than the other team had uh they they had more draws but that's that is crazy dude this arsenal team looks so good we had that manchester united versus arsenal game over the weekend we talked about that on the uh episode three earlier this week but you can see that team man like they just they dominate possession yeah their mid their midfield is phenomenal like they have some great guys with Odegaard, Zinchenko. They got great guys, but like I feel like on paper you still can't understand the magnitude of what that team is. And then when you put them out there, you put them working together, they they look unbelievable and they really been dominating teams, just getting lots of opportunities. And like to to his own credit, let's talk about Bukayo Saka. Oh my though. gosh. He's having a phenomenal season just for creating attacking opportunities for that team he scored a banger of a goal against city as well but or sorry not city against united but uh he's just so good at getting around to that top of the box getting balls in drawing fouls he's very quick and he's he's a great young developing player who you like to see uh working so well for arsenal who is a great team and we'll get to see in the champions league next year. Yeah. Uh, barring well, all major, major, um, almost certainly. Yeah. And we'll get to see him continue to play for a team who has struggled a, a lot. Um, who, no, no, I wouldn't say struggled, but a team who has, you know, struggled in, in finishing out tournaments being England. Yeah. Well, and, and here's my hot take of this podcast and maybe not, the hottest take because we got some hot takes coming but yeah is there a better winger in the world right now than Bukai Osaka and it depends on what you define as a winger yeah but I I would argue no I mean we saw it in that United game it's not just that he is like drawing attention and and like I mean his goal was phenomenal but like we saw him attack the wings like he he was pushing Luke Shaw back into the box every single time anytime Luke Shaw steps up he beats him around gets in a good cross or a good pass. And so he just starts backing up. 
Shaw just starts backing up into the box, and then he just swings in easy, easy crosses like that as well. Like it was just, it was, it felt like, what do you do, right? And like you could make an argument, oh, maybe Mbappe is a winger right now, depending on how he plays, and you know, then we can have the debate about whether or not uh, Bukayo Saka is more effective than Mbappe right now, which is possible. Though I would say that's a hotter take. But he just, he just looks so composed. Like he look, he looks untouchable, right? People are trying to, trying to go after him. He just gets around them he's got the pace he's got the finishing he's got the the passing um and yeah i'm actually gonna i'm gonna you said is there someone and i don't i don't know if he's better i i I would not i would definitely not say that he's better but if you want some competition i'm gonna make you feel a little bit like a fool here am i your own boy marcus rashford yeah that's true okay so that's true that that i'm gonna i'm gonna put that down as as what you define as a winger because traditionally Rashford has played as a winger, but in recent seasons, he's been kind of forced up into like a striker almost position. And I think he hasn't been as effective. I, we could talk about Rashford cause he's had a phenomenal resurgence as well. Yes. But part of the problem I think is that he has been forced into this striker position that he's not super comfortable, but as much as I love Marcus Rashford and as effective as he's been. And again, we'll talk about it. I'm, I think by watching the game, Bukayo Saka had more um, threat. Maybe that's just that Arsenal were playing better. I actually think that United played a really, really good game. I think up until about 65, 70 minutes, they were not the better team, but like at least, you know, it looked pretty even. You know, I think their 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 goals were well-deserved. I think yeah. they came under pressure a lot, but, but Arsenal never really felt in control of that game until that 70th minute. I agree. But Bukayo Saka just looked more threatening. It didn't seem like Rashford had the same level of threat on the Arsenal back line that Bukayo Saka did on United. Yeah, I mean, I would just say that, you know, that you got to put them in both in the conversation for best winger, yeah. uh, especially in the EPL. Yeah, 100% in the EPL. That's no question, I don't think. I think it's those two. You know, I am definitely biased in this opinion, being a Brighton fan now. But uh, Aoru Mitoma nah, has dude. had a has had a great last he, couple. He games, has been, and he's looking he's looking really good. And honestly, I think that you give him a little bit better of a team, um, in the in the finishing category, and a lot of the passes he's been making turn into goals. I've seen him create a good few opportunities every game for the, his his central attacking midfielder or striker to put the ball in the net with like I would say ease for a professional soccer player and they haven't. And I think that, you know, he's been putting in tremendous amounts of work for the team that he's on. And I know he hasn't, he hasn't been playing that much. They've only just gotten rid of Trosser yep. and he's come into that starting role, but I'm very excited to see how he develops as a, as a starting player and as a young guy as well in comparison to these other two great wingers we have in the EPL. Yeah, I agree. And I, I like seeing Brighton where they are in the table. I want to see them like continue to move up. I think again, yeah, like you said, a lot of worry um, with, with Drossard moving on. Um, But I, 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 I think he, he hasn't, he's not been inconsistent. If anything, he's been very, very consistent. He just hasn't like played in this role for very long. And so I think that that yeah. could be one worry is that, um, you know, if Brighton go through a couple of games uh, or a stretch of games where they're struggling, is the confidence going to drop and is that going to 
have an effect on how he plays. And if it if it doesn't, if he continues to to shine for them, um, then that's phenomenal. And and absolutely, I think he'll get snatched up by a bigger club. Unfortunately, um, but I also think that you know, depending on what his contract situation is, I don't know. Um, that that could be either a very expensive deal to pull him away from Brighton, or or he just gets locked down by them. He likes where he's at and he's developing. Um, but yeah, I mean, fantastic individual skill. Um, he's pushing his team forward on the counter uh, and in possession. He's looking really, really composed. He's creating space for his teammates and, and he's creating goals. He's scoring goals. Um, yeah, he's you know, been fun phenomenal. enough. Fun enough fact about uh, Mitoma is he actually had a an opportunity to sign a J League contract a few years ago uh, to play in Japan, which is his nationality. Yeah. Right? And instead, he turned it down to go do his uh, post his graduate studies in Japan, and he did them on dribbling in soccer. Actually, I heard about this. Yeah. And then, you know, you see him talk about dribbling and changing his defenders like center of gravity or where they're putting their weight yeah. and how it can impact getting past opponents. And it, you can really see it when he plays and how he talks about it in comparison to how he plays. And I think it's, it's just very interesting and not, I don't know. I, I like it. It's lot. super visible in how he plays. Like I, it's, it's, it's something that like, until you know that fact, you don't really notice it, but he's not one of these like crazy. He's not doing a ton of step overs. He's not, no. You know, rainbowing his opponents, whatever. What he's doing is dropping yeah, yeah. his shoulders. He's getting his opponents to move their hips, move their feet a little bit, and then he's going the opposite direction. As soon as he sees that change in balance, he's gone. Um, and it's it's super effective. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just been it's I, I it's really exciting, honestly, for 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 Brighton. Um, Trossard was phenomenal for them. Um, but I think, you know, if Matoma can continue, and maybe we're giving him too much credit too early, but I think if Matoma can continue to be as good as he's been, um, they won't feel bad at all about Trossard moving on. Get a little payday there and you replace him with someone who's potentially better. Yeah. That feels like some, some good business right there. I agree. I agree. And now they got some, a little bit, a little bit of money to, to dish out. Speaking of money though, why don't we, uh, Talk a little bit about the transfer window that's been going on here. Uh, well, okay. Before we get to the transfer window, I want to do a brief rundown on, on some of the other stuff here. Um, first of all, I, this this will lead into the transfer. So so Newcastle, um, they're sitting at third in the table right now. Yeah. With just uh, also only one loss. So that's great. Uh, the fewest goals allowed in the league by five. Um, having yeah. played one fewer games, or sorry, one more game than Arsenal, who have the second fewest at 16. Um, the issue is that they're drawing so much, they're not scoring enough goals. Uh, so this is maybe an open question, but there are some suggestions um, about who they are going to be looking to sign in, in this transfer window to try to fill that gap a little bit. So far, it's looking like they're targeting uh, midfielders, which is interesting, so not not forward players, and maybe that's just a way for them to try to wrestle some more control into these right. games. Um, but yeah, so so there's been heavy links with James Madison uh, coming in from Leicester and Milinkovic-Savic as well. Okay. Um, definitely Milinkovic-Savic is, is, I think on paper, a midfielder, much more offensive player uh, than that. Right. Um, and hopefully that could help them out. I I think it would be really nice to see them see uh to see them sign Milinkovic Savage. 
I think he's a great player. I think he deserves a shot in the Prem. He's been linked with uh, some other really big clubs, with United, for example. Um, James Madison, he's playing on a struggling Leicester side right now, but I, I think I would prefer Milinkovic-Savic over James Madison, for sure. Yeah. Um, What's something else we could discuss in terms of transfers? Is a team that you might not think really needs help in, in, in these spots, but um, we've seen Manchester City look really inconsistent on uh, on the defensive end, um, yeah, I I think it was it was injuries played a played a role in that. Um, Laporte, Diaz, Cancelo all have been kind of in and out. Um, there's been some injuries there. I think for uh, Cancelo and Laporte, but Diaz has been kind of in and out of the starting lineup. Um, just I want to say just because of of inconsistency in his play. Um, and we've seen a lot of Akanji, of, of Ake, even a little bit of Rico Lewis, which is interesting. Not a player that I would necessarily count on being in my, like, you know, really good city side. Um, yeah. But there are some defenders on the market that they could go after there. I, I don't know if they will. I think they already have a ton of options. And it's, you know, less about patching the holes and trying to more more about trying to get their good players back on their feet, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've really liked Akanji over the uh, the past little bit. I I liked him at the World Cup, and I find that he's just a good physical presence at the back. You know, he's a tall guy, and I think that he he definitely provides a a good base for that team in terms of keeping keep like just shielding the ball, getting in front of your like speedy speedier attackers, and then clearing that ball on those crosses. I find he's very good at tracking back and he he showed he's been showing that well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um I I, I don't think they're going to go after anybody. Um I don't think they should go in for anybody, but we also recognize that this is Manchester City and they can kind of do whatever they want. <laughs> they have the yeah. money, they have the 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 lure to get yeah, people yeah, to come yeah. in. Um so I don't know. We'll see. All right. Here's 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 a better question then. What about Tottenham? What do they need? Because they need they need something. They need something. Dude, I've been saying this all season, and I actually I really like this Tottenham team on paper. Like this Tottenham, yeah, on paper, this Tottenham team is honestly how I would build a team in FIFA. You know, sure, yeah. You got you got your goalie first of all. Lloris is a great goalie. We know that he's been killing it for France. He played a great World Cup. Um, and you know, he, he is good. Like we haven't, we've seen him make a few errors as of late, uh, in big games, but like he's, he's a good shot stopper and he's who you can trust at the back there. And then they got forwards. Yep. They got Harry Kane. They got, um, Youngman son. They got, what's his, Kulisevsky, Kulisevsky, all, all great guys who we know can produce goals for them. And they have been producing goals for them. Charleston. Dude, they don't I feel like they don't play they him don't. enough. I know I know that he's like not he's not he's not fantastic. He hasn't played well for them. That's nah, the thing. I don't understand because he had a great showing at the World Cup, you know? Yeah. For Brazil, he played phenomenally. And maybe that's just because of the guys around him. But I feel like in that attacking group, they have good guys around him. And I would really like to see, honestly. Harry Kane drop more into like a false nine position and and a little bit further off that front line. He he's been in great form. Yeah. We'll talk about him a little yeah. bit later. But he's been in great form. 
but I'd like to see Richarlison and Harry Kane up front together, honestly. And they need some midfielders, dude. They need some better midfielders. That's, I feel like yeah. they cannot they cannot get the ball forwards with any kind of control. And the fact that they are able to score so many goals with the the lack of midfielder midfielders that they have is a testament to their offensive capabilities. But definitely not reached their their full potential that's for yeah sure. it feels like for Tottenham when it rains it pours like in a good way you know like when they're yeah. scoring get when they're scoring goals it's like it's like six seven goals um yeah. you know that doesn't happen that often but but when it happens you're like yeah I totally see how this could happen like you you have some phenomenal players up front um definitely. I, I don't know that I would agree with you uh, about the false nine Harry Kane situation like I like that he drops back and you know I like that I mean Weggorsh has been doing that for United it's been excellent but yeah I, I i feel like harry kane is just so deadly up front anyway i mean we've seen a bag headers we've seen him like we talk about the goal against city he chases down this ball that he has no business getting what is he like slides it to keep it in beats yeah. the defender and then like crosses it in gets a lucky rebound score like that's that is quintessential striker play right there and yeah. i think that like there are other players that can do that but not to that level like he he's, he's so experienced in in those situations so i think i would keep him up front i don't see why you would ever start kulusevsky over richarlison maybe it's an attitude thing um but if i'm antonio conte after the world cup especially i don't know why you're not yeah. saying this guy's running high on confidence i mean we saw rashford right like he had a phenomenal world cup score, scored three yep. goals for england he he and i have this stat written now and we kind of skipped over it, but he scored more goals since the world cup than erling holland in all competitions, he scored 10 goals. Holland scored eight. They've each scored five in in the Prem. But, like, you have these confident players coming back from a great World Cup. Richarlison had a great World Cup. Why would you not capitalize on that? You know, if yeah. anything, Kulisevsky had, like, kind of a mediocre World Cup on what I would argue was a pretty solid side. You know? Like, yeah, I I, I don't know what's going on over there. That team should be a lot better than they are they should be performing a lot better than they are they should be in this the top five at least of the epl and looking to be in the europa um, or champions league again next year and i believe that they're in contention for the the europa there yeah right now yeah. but but i would say only because there have been worse generally good top six teams like chelsea and uh liverpool. and liverpool who are super slumping right now like I would say the only reason Tottenham are competitive for Europa League chances because of those teams underperforming even more, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I saw their the Tottenham's game earlier this week when they played Fulham. And, you know, Harry Kane, again, yeah. like I said, has been top form, had a phenomenal goal. Yep. But, but you know, that that's I believe that goal was ruled unassisted. I definitely would have ruled it unassisted. You know, he gets the ball. Um, with his back to the net, makes a few good cuts, and then and slots on, one yeah. from outside of the box into the bottom right corner. And he's been phenomenal. He has been really good. I used to be a big Harry Kane hater, yeah. and he's proved me so wrong this season. I wouldn't have described myself as a hater, but a disbeliever, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And, and then that's the only goal they scored that game. They had other chances, sort of, but like they just could not get keep they could not keep possession especially in the opposing third and you see harry kane you know just trying to get the ball and they can't really get they can't it get to it him. to him yeah we've seen so many times where like 
like yeah it's they just they need a good midfielder we've seen so many times that harry kane he's, he has it's this natural position back to goal he just wants the ball played into his feet so that he can turn and create some havoc and we've seen so many times it's like one of the best players in the world and they show that he's had like two touches in like 70 minutes or something because they just can't get it up to him having pacing yeah. wingers is great but if you're throwing balls into the box and he can't get on it like that's not he's he's great in the air but that's not his strong suit um so i i would like to see tottenham make some splashes to try to sign some some good midfielders i don't think they need more like offensive um minded midfielders i don't think that they need another kulisevsky or another richarlison i think there's already competition for those spots but somebody that can control play like a you know a luka modric type player obviously they're not going to get luka modric but yeah. That kind of of player, right? Somebody who who has the off like a Kevin De Bruyne, also somebody who has the 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 offensive prowess who can play these balls, but also just someone that's going to control the game for them. It's going to retain possession and and create passes that are going to get up to Kane, um, so that he can do his thing and and not only get a couple of touches at like the half or whatever, right? Yeah, I'm just trying to think of who I would even be looking to. And I think, you know, budget options, like, I think you could look towards some of the other guys from from that English team who are are familiar with Harry. You want to center your, your focus around Harry Kane. I agree. He's definitely the best player on that team. Youngman's son can get the job done wherever he goes, and then whoever they're going to play at that, like, right attacking midfielder or right winger, being Richarlison or uh, Kulisevsky, can... Can, are going to need to figure it out and they can battle between each other. So I wouldn't worry too much about that side. But, you know, picking up a Declan Rice or Jordan Henderson yeah. could could be what this team needs, if not because they're, you know, the best central midfielders, but because they have, you know, the good chemistry and games played with Harry Kane to be able to get him that ball and know how he's going to move appropriately. And I think that it's not so much that you need the top tier talent, but someone who can unleash the potential of Harry Kane. That's interesting, those picks, though, because you've mentioned two very defensive-minded midfielders. I was thinking um, both someone much younger and more offensively-minded, uh, but who does have that control and has the connection with Harry Kane for playing on the English team. Do you know who I'm thinking of? I'm, I'm really hoping that you're going to say the guy who I'm thinking of because... I would really like to see this, and he doesn't get enough minutes as he should. I, Please tell me you're talking about Phil Foden. I'm not. I'm Ugh. not talking about Phil Foden because I think Phil Foden plays more as like a false nine. He plays more up and no, I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm I talking know. about Jude Bellingham. Somebody oh, who please. has been. I can't believe you just said somebody, that. That would be so. Perfect. That would be so perfect. Somebody who's been linked with Liverpool this season, oh, this off season, God. which is crazy. Why oh, Liverpool? Jude Bellingham would be so good. Why Liverpool? Right. He, he is honestly, in my opinion, the most underrated central midfield. Um, yeah, no, I I will stick with that. He's the most underrated central midfielder in the game right now. He proved himself at that World Cup. Yeah, I honestly thought he was the best player all World Cup for the English English side, who did have a good World Cup and should have beat France. Um, <laughs> but Jude Bellingham, man, oh, I think I can't that would be you said that that is perfect. I think that would be the perfect fit for them. I think that he's somebody who can control the game, who can play these passes up to Harry Kane, who I, I think it's it's very possible that they can attract him. Why not, yes. right? Like, yes. he is going to be able to learn from one of the best English players of all time, I'll say it, yes. in Harry Kane, somebody who is his captain internationally. Um, 
you know, he he provides that outlet of creativity that can spring Hyungman's son or Charleston Kulisevsky, whatever, onto the wings. He's somebody who can provide that threat and then play it up to Kane instead and have him create the goals. He's someone who can create goals individually. I think it'd be perfect. I don't know if they'll be able to do it. I think he's going to be hella expensive. And I don't think that, you know, Tottenham might not have the resources. But if they do, if they can pry him away from Dorman, that would be. And he's such a good physical presence. Yeah. Like he can win balls back for them and really gain control. And he's a workhorse, too. You see him. You saw him throughout the World Cup really earn earn his place on that English team and be everywhere on the field. Yeah. That, that is a phenomenal call from you. I applaud you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I think Jude Bellingham would be an all-star on this Tottenham team. I think if they could get him. potentially the team who brings them to the top of this yeah. Uh, yeah. EPL. I think if they could get him, they would be right up there. I think they, they would be, you know, if not at right now, Arsenal level, just because they're, they're, they're like limit right now is, is nothing like art. They're just playing unbelievably, but at, like into right. those top positions, like two, three, um, you know, competing for a title. Yes. Um. Anyway, all right. Let's let's move on. My last note quickly here was uh, that Everton are looking for a new manager right now. Not really a player uh, transfer rumor, but after they fired Frank Lampard, uh, there's been some rumors around Marcelo Bielsa and Sean Dyke. Not super big names. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, Marcelo Bielsa last coached Leeds, I think. Uh, and I recognize John Dyke's name, but I don't know who he was with before. But uh, it, they're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit. I don't know. I don't think anyone wants to go into Everton right now. They got an ownership situation right now, too. Fans are unhappy. Just kind of feels like there's going to be one guy who's going to go in there and take just a lot of heat until the players start playing better. And then they'll get a new manager and then that guy gets to stay. But I don't think anyone wants that job right now. I wouldn't want that job right now. No, and I I definitely look for that team to you know take their take their relegation. Yeah, and and you know I think that actually could be good. You know Everton's historically been uh, an upper tier team. Yeah, uh, in the EPL, and I think it could be good for them if they were able to make a few new signings throughout the off season to build a little bit of confidence in the in the championship yeah winning, winning as, games. as a side who could be who could be good in the championship or could be very good in the championship yeah yeah yeah. and then build a little bit of confidence come back or play your play your fa cup and like get some experience against good teams when you've been winning games see how those go and then hopefully come back to the epl with a little bit of newfound foresight or does you know desire to win games yeah all right, briefly, before we get into the cream of the crop for this episode, which is going to be the Champions League and Europa League, I just wanted to take, kind of not get into it too much, but a brief look at uh, some of the other top leagues, just because we don't we don't normally get to do it in our like weekly update episodes, but I feel like it's kind of important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So I'll start just because it's in the order of my tabs. I'll start with the Bundesliga. Bayern are sitting at the top of the table only by three points, um, but they've been pretty solid. We saw them kind of stumble against, uh, which team was it? Köln. Köln, yeah. Köln. Um, God, I love that German commentator. He was so good. He was great. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they're sitting at the top of the table by three with Union Berlin in second. And I think that's going to that's gonna get important as we get into the other stuff. But uh, And then followed up by uh, Leipzig, Frankfurt, Dortmund sitting in fifth. 
Uh, going on to Liga, the French League, we have PSG uh, in first, also by only three points, also by only a win. Followed by Lens, Marseille, Monaco, and then Rennes. Um, Lille with our boy Jonathan David sitting in a not so good sixth place, which is a little disappointing, but that's all right. Uh, Syria, the Italian league, we have Napoli handily, handily in pole position to win the Scudetto here. Uh, top of yeah. the league by 12 points right now, um, with Milan in second, and then Lazio, Inter, and Roma rounding up the top five. Uh, in the Spanish league, La Liga, tight title race as per usual. Barcelona sitting in first place at 44 points, three points ahead of Real Madrid. Uh, Real Sociedad, Atletico, Villarreal, uh, and Real Betis are rounding up your top six there. Uh, and then just because we're here, we may as well. And because, again, it'll be important for our Champions League and Europa League discussions. Uh, Liga Portuguesa. Benfica sitting in first by a good margin. And then Braga, Porto, Sporting, uh, rounding out your top four there. And the Eredivisie, the Dutch League, Feyenoord sitting in first. Alkmaar sitting in second. PSV in third. Twente and Ajax rounding out your top five. Wow. Which is kind of a shocker in that table. Um, yeah, given Ajax down at fifth. Wow. Yeah, yeah. By by, you know, this is a tight table. Um, Ajax are on thirty four points. They could move all the way up to third with one win, um, and with two wins, they'd be tied for first. So it's like we're just under first. Excuse me, but like it, it's a tight table. Um, but kind of kind of shocking. Uh, they're yeah, no, not agree. a great I run agree. of form right now with uh, with five straight draws. But uh, yeah, so th- so there's. Uh, sort of round off of uh our top european leagues so let's get into let's get into the champions league discussion yeah why don't we go with uh the first game i got up here is ac milan versus tottenham it happens on uh two tuesdays from now february 14th yep. and you know ac milan's the favorite as at uh, 2.05 with uh tottenham being the underdog at 3.4 and I think that's very surprising, you know, that's that's a much bigger gap than I would have expected, especially given the form that Harry Kane's been in. I want to look back a little bit through, you know, the history of these two teams playing against each other. And so we had a friend, they had a friendly back in 2018, that's the last time they played, and Tottenham won one nothing. Uh, and then if we want to go back to any of their Champions League, so really competitive type stuff, we have to go all the way back to 2011. Yeah. And Tottenham won that game. That was in the round of 16, the same round. Yeah. Tottenham won the first game 1-0. And then they drew 0-0 in the second game. So it's been historically a low-scoring game. But uh, Tottenham is the owns the matchup there. They're uh, 2-1-0 in that matchup. And I think they just they look like the better side right now. You know, Milan's not playing well. In their past six, they've won one game and taken three losses. And Tottenham, in their past six, are are three and three. Or, well, three wins and three losses. And I would argue that Tottenham also probably has this harder schedule just being in the EPL than Milan in the Serie A. You know? Yeah, yeah. This Tottenham side, they, they look good, and I think against, you know, not a weak team in AC Milan but not a strong team as being like a United or a Manchester City that this Tottenham team 
could put in a few goals and hopefully just kind of outscore them. I'm going to give you a caveat here. I'm going to take AC Milan in this game. I think Tottenham, like you said, have been in, in all right form. Uh, I agree that the Prem is a harder league than, than any of the other top five European leagues. Um, But I think that I think Tottenham are going to struggle with AC Milan. I mean, we've, we've seen historically, like the, Milan never really these days um, competes for the Champions League title. They've been in what I think they would consider a slump with their storied history. But I would say that like they're a very physical team. Um, yeah. We know that that's that's how Simeone likes to play. Um, I think that on paper, AC Milan are really good. Right. Well, I'm I'm mixing up my teams here, aren't I? Aren't I? I'm thinking of Atletico. No, yeah, I'll take Tottenham in that game. Yeah, I'm and, thinking of Atletico. I, uh, you know, Harry Kane is is really in good form. He's second in goals in the EPL, only to Erling Holland, who I'm sure we will discuss a little bit later on, um, with the monstrous season that he's having. Yeah. But Harry Kane, you know, not closely behind him, but leading everyone else after him. And he's had five goals in his last seven games. Yeah. And and I think that we could see him put in one, if not two, against this Milan team. Which is, you know, all all you're gonna need to to win in what I expect also expect to be a low scoring matchup. Yeah, I mean, I think like AC has has the individual talent, um, but I also think they ha- they're they're filled with players that kind of excel in not not the Syria <laughs> like like international players that really. Go- I mean, they've got Zlatan. Uh, he's like 42. Yeah. He's yeah. still dangerous, but like he's not the guy he once was. Um, no. You know, you got you got Olivier Giroud on that team, but again, like phenomenal for France. Always, I don't know how he he just seems to be a tournament tournament player, but he never plays as well for AC Milan. Um, yeah. You had Rafael Leao, who had like an all right tournament with Portugal, but a Portugal team who had like not a great tournament themselves. I agree. Um, you know, I you Theo Hernandez, uh, who who had. Uh, I think that he was. I'm gonna make sure I don't mix up the brothers. Here. I think it was Lucas Hernandez who went out with the injury. At Theo Hernandez who came in, or maybe it was the other way around. Um, either way, one of the brothers uh has been very consistent. The other one had a very good World Cup in his brother's absence. But like, again, you know, is are they super consistent? Like, I wouldn't say so. Um, they don't look like a Scudetto winning team. Um. Yeah, I I think I think Tottenham by an edge. Yeah, and just to you know talk about you how you said they have those those good international players, Olivier Giroud, phenomenal tournament, and now the top scorer for France in history. But I I I really see that a lot of that comes from the guys around him. You know, he's he's a great finisher, he's a fantastic finisher, but he's not a creator. And without those guys getting the ball to him in the box near the net or creating those opportunities where he can be open in front of goal or pick up rebounds. I don't see him as a, as a phenomenal striker and I don't see him or Zlatan together being able to keep up with the offense of Harry Kane and Hyobin Son. I agree. Plus, you know what? Screw AC Milan. They have Kayo Tomori. Do you recognize that name? I do not. He uh, did not make the England world cup team. 
but oh, he represents England <laughs> generally. But he's Canadian. Screw that guy. Anyway, um, up next, I have what I think is the marquee matchup. We have some banging matchups. Uh, PSG versus Bayern. Yeah, I. Gimme. This is definitely this is definitely a historical matchup. Yeah. They've played six, sorry, five times in the last five years in the UCL. Wow. They played not this past year, but the year before, 2021, in the quarterfinal. And they split those games. PSG won the first one, 3-2, to two, and Bayern won the second one, nil. Right. In 2020, they played in the final. Bayern taking that one, 1-0. One, yeah. And in 2018, they played in the group stage, also splitting that as Bayern 3-1 to one and PSG 3 now. So, you know, these teams are very competitive. They love to play against each other. You see multiple times a team putting up three goals against the other. And I think this is going to be a very exciting matchup. I agree. This is going to be a tight one, and, and I almost hesitate to, to, to give a suggestion on who I think is going to win. But if I had to pick a team... I'm going PSG. I honestly I I couldn't I couldn't back Bayern how they look right they, now. They they look know? like they're struggling right now, yeah. Offensively, Since, so surprisingly. In their last in their last 5 games, you know, they've taken 3 wins and 2 draws. The 3 wins all come before the international break and they played back in November. Mm-hmm. And they've only played those 2 games since the break, but they've drawn both games, not against top-tier competition either. Against good competition, but not top tier. And really, they're going to have a few more games before this matchup. But in two weeks, are they going to be able to get back to top form as they were when they went 6-0 and in the group stage? I don't think so. And PSG are have won four out of their last five games, playing all since the international break. So they're back in form and, you know, ready for this matchup. Yeah, and I mean, like some convincing wins in there. Um, there was a seven-zero game, like in the French Cup. So this is against like really bad opposition. Um, but it, still, like they're scoring goals. Um, I think like PSG, this they're a classic team where they they have like not great competition in their own league, and so you you see them come into the Champions League and have like kind of mediocre performances just because they're not used to playing against really good teams. Um, yeah. but I think like man for man, they match up better. Um, you know, they have the man, the myth, the legend, Lionel Messi in, in after the world cup in, in phenomenal form. Um, you know, Neymar has been good. He, I think he's really grown up as a player. He's not this like cocky individual player that he once was. Yeah. Um, he has experience playing with Messi. I think like he's just kind of grown into his role. And then of course, Mbappe, um, if if I had to give you a team that I think had the pace on defense to keep up with Mbappe, I would have said Bayern. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's just there's just too much threat. Um, you know, world world class defense. You know, at Bayern, you got Davies, Delict, uh, Upamecano, um, the other Hernandez, Lucas Hernandez. But like, there's just there's just so much talent on PSG. There's so much depth. Um. That that I want to give them the edge. I I I know this is going to be like a you know three two kind of situation again. Like it's 
going to come down to away goals or something stupid like that. But yeah, I I still take them. Here's here's where I'd go with that. And and like you said, I think it's very important to bring up the fact that PSG often don't have enough practice against top tier competition. But coming off of the World Cup, you've gotten the your top tier players having now, you know, reignited their competitive edge in games that they had to work hard. And you've got both of the top two scorers from the World Cup on one team. So you know that when it comes down to it, when it's in these high-pressure, important games, that these guys can find the back of the net. And with the World Cup that we've just seen, especially from Mbappe and Messi, I don't see how they come into this game against a Bayern team who's been very mediocre and, and, and don't put up, you know, two to three goals a game while maintaining possession and preventing a Bayern team who's also struggled to score from putting the ball in the net. Yeah, I mean, it's the two best players in the world on one team together. It's, you should win. You should yeah. win. Yeah. All right, a little less marquee matchup. Club Brugge versus Benfica. I think this one's an easy call. I agree. I think this... Benfica team coming out from the the Portuguese league is actually really underrated. You yeah. know, they haven't lost yet in the UCL this year. They beat Juventus twice and they drew PSG twice. You know, they they're they're a good looking team. Yeah. They're a heavy favorite at just two um, multiplier on the sports books. And Club Brugge from uh, what league is that? It's just the Belgian league. I don't know the, what's called the Belgian league you know, aren't even looking in top four in the Belgian league. Yeah. They're, in their past five games, they've drawn four times and they've taken a loss. Yeah. No, and, and I think I think Benfica are, they're in good form in their own league. Uh, I think they've played well so far. This is definitely like some of the easiest competition they've come up against in this tournament. Like, I think they got a bit lucky on the draw. I mean, deserve it. They won their group, but yeah, I, that should be kind of open and shut in my opinion. I, I would also like to, to argue that the the two-game series here between these teams is going to be very important because Brugge actually won all three of their first round of the group stage matchups. They beat Leverkusen, they beat Porto, and they beat Atletico. And then in their second in the second round, when they played all the teams again, they drew twice and took a loss. So even if they do manage to come out here and take a win or a draw against Benfica, who is, I would say, the better side... In their first matchup, they've been struggling to play teams a second time around, and we could see Benfica come out and you know give them the work enough to either outweigh, outweigh the goal difference or you know win that second game. Yeah, I like that analysis. Like, definitely, there's something to be said for maybe Brugge just not being able to read their opponents as well as their opponents read them. You know, they see the game plan in that first game, uh, and maybe Brugge pull out a win, but then the other teams have come into that second game with a new plan that that Brugge seemingly can't handle um and and yeah that definitely could come into play uh all right Dortmund versus Chelsea yeah this is a this is an interesting matchup you know for two teams that I would say have historically been like Champions League competition they've never played against each other before really yeah and I was I was very surprised to find that out but I think that this this is also not not a super hard matchup for me. Actually, you know what? I take that back. 
Mm. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna I, go out a limb. Is... I'm gonna go out a limb and say that. Yeah, yeah, you go first. And and I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna guess what you are about to say. You want to say that this should be an easy decision that Dortmund should win this game, but you're worried that since Chelsea have picked up so many new players, that might come into play. Honestly, it's it's really the fact that Chelsea have been really bad this this EPL season and they have they have not looked good in the EPL. But they're four one and one in the Champions League. Mm. They've been getting the job done in the Champions League and playing against those the competition from other countries, you know, some teams can can play better in that in that kind of stage, right? Yeah. Dortmund Dortmund have looked good. Dortmund have looked good in their past five games. They've won three of them. They've won both their game, games since the international break. But in the Champions League, they are two, three, and one. They've taken three draws. They've only taken two wins, and they've moved out of their group. I think a little bit luckily. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. I I would say that also like it's been a while, right? Like we're almost at uh, this next round. Uh, I think Chelsea had a better early start to the season than they have recently and that they right. might be you know they might have regressed a little bit um and i think that dortmund yeah i mean i don't know I, they haven't been phenomenal in uh in the bundesliga um you know they're sitting at fifth uh they have the talent for sure um they just are struggling to put it together so this one could go either way. I, to me, I think it's going to come down to, um, you know, two, two kind of disappointing teams this season. Um, I hear you that like Chelsea have been better in the champions league. And I think it might also come down yeah, to like the, the transfers that they've made. How are those players going to, um, continue to, to grow with Chelsea? How are they going to improve the team, improve the atmosphere even? Uh, and if, and if they make a significant difference, then, then yeah, maybe this is actually an easy call the other way. Yeah, so, you know, if if you had to pick a side, as of right now, if you had to pick a side, I think, you know, to really to really get a, a good judgment on who I'm going to be taking that game, I have to wait to see how these Chelsea transfers do, yeah, and how Dortmund kind of moves into the new year, having come off that, you know, they're on a two-game win streak since the new year started. But but as of right now, who are you picking in that game? If they play tomorrow, I take Dortmund. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. I think that I still take Dortmund. Um, I think that it's not going to be enough time for those transfers to fully acclimatize. I think the atmosphere is still wrong. Um, I think there there's still a bit of carelessness in the way that Chelsea have been playing. So I, I, I think Dortmund are going to come out um, with just a simpler game, less, um, you know, stress, less pressure, I guess, in their mind to succeed um, while still being very hungry to succeed, uh, you know, having had this kind of disappointing season. I think I think there's just less pressure. I have I haven't heard as much about you know fans being angry at Dortmund. Chelsea. There's a lot of kind of bad blood going around right now. So yeah, yeah. Mentality wise, I think Dortmund pull out of that one. All right, the other marquee matchup: Liverpool versus Real. All right this this game to me it's it's not even close, and I don't understand. Here I'm going to start off with saying Real Madrid are a huge underdog in this game. And this makes no sense to me. Yeah, I will for, be for the odds, maybe. Real yeah. Madrid. I will be taking Real Madrid. And it, and it, it, it this, it, the, the way that the odds maker has set it up just doesn't make sense to me. Let's look historically. Last season, in the final, Real Madrid wins that game. Yep. 
We go back a season, they played in the quarterfinal, they drew once, and Real Madrid wins the other 3-1. We go back to the 2018 final in the Champions League, Real Madrid wins that 3-1. Real Madrid have never lost to Liverpool in a Champions League game. And those were good Liverpool teams. Those were much better Liverpool teams for sure than the, the one right now. I mean, that, that, that season that you skipped over there, the 2018 to 2020, that 2019 was the Liverpool uh, Champions League winning team, right? Uh, yeah. So, you know, those are like championship caliber teams. And, you know, even if we look at recent, in their last five games, Liverpool have won twice, drawn once, and lost twice. Yep. And we go over to the other side, and we look at Real. In their last five games, they've won four times and taken one loss. Yeah. You know, and they, they didn't look like they had their game today against Atletico, and, and they didn't look fantastic. They struggled to score, um, and they ended up winning, I think, 3-1 in extra time. Yeah. But... That's an Atletico team who I would also probably say is better than how this Liverpool team has been performing as of late. Yeah, I agree. A harder team to play against, for sure. And I have no idea whether whether Van Dyke is going to be back. I don't think so. I think he's still going to be out, given that this game is happening in two weeks. And I know he was out for a couple months. But I don't see how, without Van Dyke, this, this Liverpool team, who has been leaky on defense is going to be able to stop Vinny Jr. and the now-returned Kareem Benzema. Yeah, no, I, I think that should be a lockdown for Real. I, I agree. I don't really understand what the odds makers are, are going on about there. All right, uh, next one, Frankfurt versus Napoli. This, this in my mind, is an absolute lock. Napoli wins this game 10 times out of 10, no? I completely agree. It doesn't make sense why the odds makers have this game as a very... Tight, you know, cl- yeah. close matchup. Yeah, Frankfurt, Frankfurt have been, been all right. Yeah, yeah. But on the other side, you got Napoli, who have won. They won five out of their six group stage matches. Group stage matches, matches, losing only once in their very last match to Liverpool. Yeah, in a game and that it, didn't matter for them at and all. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. They didn't need to win. That and game. and why would you play even your best players? Right, you're so like you you are in winning position in the Serie A that like you know you just write that game off that we're already in first and we got to go back and and start playing league league soccer again so why are we ever gonna try to win this game like we'll just it doesn't matter whatever I think this game should be easily easily a Napoli win yeah Napoli and Real Madrid are easily my two favorite picks for this round of 16 yeah um with in, ter- in terms third, of value, for sure. And, and with the third being Tottenham and, and then I guess PSG. But this the, the Napoli team is a fantastic team. Yeah. And they've looked good all season long in the Serie A and in the UCL. And there's no reason for them to, to drop out of this competition as early as the round of 16, given Frankfurt. Yeah. Uh, Leipzig versus Man City gotta be man city even if they have been a little bit inconsistent they're still man city and uh and i don't think leipzig are that good they're in third right now in the bundesliga um they're in you know solid form they're up there in the table like they could be competing for uh for the win but again i i think this comes down to the german league just being a worse league than the epl i think city have more depth 
um, more just upfront raw talent. I think Holland is going to absolutely. I mean, Holland is played against this Leipzig team, right? So why shouldn't he just know how to tear through them? Yeah, no, I completely agree, and I think that that is a great point to to bring up. But uh, you know, this Leipzig team had a good game earlier this week. They played Schalke who yeah. is the worst team in the German league, and they won 6-1. But, uh, I mean, if we look historically back to this game, last season, uh, or no, sorry, two seasons ago, they played in the group stage. City won that game 6-3. Uh, and, they well, they lost the second one 2-1. But, uh, you know, City's made a lot of transfers. They've brought in Holland, who I think will be a, a big difference in this game. Yeah, Like you said, having played against Leipzig for a couple seasons, and I don't think Leipzig will have Nkuku back. And that's a lot of their offensive power. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of hope they do. I think that would be... Make this a, a much more... Inter- I think City would still take it 100%. Um, but but having him back would definitely make it, you know, interesting. Nkunku is a phenomenal player. Um. All right. Next and last matchup. Inter Milan versus Porto. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give it up to to Inter for this one. Uh, Porto's been good, you know, but I think that Portuguese league is like how we said with with PSG and them not playing good enough opponents. Um, a, a a team that's hard to you know get sufficient competition in the regular season, and I think Inter, you know, have. With, with the way the Serie A has looked this year, um, where it's actually been a good couple teams up at the top, I think that Inter will will look stronger in a high-pressure competitive matchup against Porto. I agree. I think Inter have played really well against um, like top teams. They, they have beat Napoli this season. They've beat Milan, like uh, AC Milan this season. Um, like I, I think that in, yeah, in that high pressure situation they play well against uh, against good teams i think they struggle to uh put away worse teams um but i i don't see them having too much issue uh i do i do think that the portuguese league is a bit underrated i think that there's like they have some really solid teams at the top um you know th- three four teams at the top that uh that are super competitive and then the rest of them are kind of just feeding teams but like <laughs> i i think inter wins this game for sure yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and if we're and if we're done for the predictions for the Champions League, um, I will say for the listeners, um, normally I think we could, you know, just because it's a deep dive episode, go all the way through to try to, to try to name a winner, but can't do that with Champions League because all of the subsequent rounds go through another draw. It's not like a bracket knockout, um, so that's just a little helpful thing to know. Uh, as soon as this round is done, they redraw matchups, um, and they do that again for the semifinal, and then it's yeah, straight. I, to the I mean, I think we could we could give a little insight onto maybe maybe a winner. Uh, not so much the the road that they'd have to travel to get there, but if okay. if you had to have a favorite um, out of all these teams, I think for myself, I'm going to be looking at you know really only two to three teams here for for a favorite and i think they're a pretty popular favorites yeah uh you know you got to put psg up there with the star talent that they have with the two top scorers of the world cup who have shown that they can compete in major competitions yeah i think that they 
given given some some solid draws and some consistency from a team who we haven't seen perform at the highest of their potential in the Champions League since the super team was formed. Uh, I'd like to see PSG make a make a good run. I think that would be an exciting team to watch deep into the the knockout round. A second team that I think everyone has to have on their list for a potential contender got to be Manchester City. Yeah, they were a favorite to win this tournament when they picked up Holland, and with the season that he's having, you you can you can definitely understand why. Yeah, and a, and a Champions League. Not goat, but like phenomenal Champions League player too, right? He, he scored a ton already for for Dortmund in like the past two seasons. So I expect and, to see that again. And then my two dark horses, who I don't think are, are real, like they're not super dark horses, but my two dark horses are going to be uh, Napoli, yeah, who have looked fantastic in both the Champions League and Serie A, and I think could surprise a few of these bigger not not necessarily bigger name teams because napoli has always been a top tier Serie A team but these these favorites yeah. yes they are even like like almost uh even with frankfurt which i think is very disrespectful i agree but uh i think that this napoli team could shock a few people and and make a deep run and my last team who i think is definitely a dark horse given that they're an underdog right from the start is uh is real madrid yeah and i you know that that seems so wrong to me that they that even that they're an underdog or that they're a dark horse. But we've seen time and time again that this Real Madrid team mentally are are kind of unbeatable. Like they That's exactly they, where they I'm can going. never be put away. Um, they come against teams that they are supposed to lose to. Uh, we saw that last season against City, um, oh. and they just they just won't go away, dude. They just won't go away. And they're so frustrating to play against. Like aside from the fact that they have so much talent on that team, um, they they just have a winning mentality. Yeah, I think it comes down to that winning mentality, like you said, and just Champions League experience. Yeah, what happened last season was incredible. You know, you're down what two goals on aggregate in the last in 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 the ninetieth at the ninetieth minute. Yeah, in your second leg of your series. And then in stoppage time, you put in two and then go on to win in extra time. Yeah. Against against a phenomenal city team. Yeah. Who was who was probably gonna go on to win this tournament against Liverpool. Yeah. If they if they had won that game. And then Real comes out and gets it done. And you know, they're multiple time winners of this tournament just in the last five years. Multiple. I think they have the most championships. Champions League titles by like like eight or something. I think they have like fourteen Champions League titles. I, I might look that up because I'm I, I think I might be wrong, but like it's 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 not close. It's not close. No, I see them coming out of this first round with ease, um, by a a two to three goal separation. Yeah. In aggregate, and I think that scoreline will be will be kind too. Like I think that you know Liverpool are going to be hanging on for dear life. Yes, I completely agree, and. I would I would be fearful if I had to see them in any round going forwards. So yeah, I agree. Doesn't matter I'm, what team. Yeah, I, I that's what I was about to say. Yeah. All right, Europa League briefly. I don't think that we know these teams as well anyway, so I don't think it will take as much time on them. 
Um, but in any case, we'll start with probably the most controversial one, which is, uh, by the way, this is for the Europa League only the uh, like playoff uh, games. So yeah, what we were just talking about for the Champions League, that's that's already the round of sixteen. Um, but due to how the Europa League qualifying works, um, you have the teams that just qualify from their leagues in the previous years, and then you have the teams that drop down from the Champions League. Uh, and so this playoff, or like I guess you could call it like a play-in, even. Um, is the teams that have dropped down from the Champions League playing against the teams that have come second in their groups in the Europa League um, yeah. to get into that round of sixteen? So we're not going to talk about teams like Arsenal who won their uh, who won their groups and are just going on to the round of sixteen. Um, so one team that did drop down is Barca against a team that surprisingly came second in the group. Though I will say, as a fan and with the caveat that they did tie. Uh, their group but they had a worse goal differential by one um, so they did go into the, this little playoff but we have Barca versus Man United that's that's a that's that's, that's tough that's that's a, that's crazy a tough game. draw <laughs> like that's that. a crazy game that we're not going to get to see one of these teams move on yeah a a Barcelona team who they look revitalized at, at, yeah as of late have looked very good you know beating Real yeah, virtually three nothing the other day. Yeah, or, or like I guess two weeks ago now, but you know three one because they gave up a ninetieth minute goal in what didn't really matter. Um, and a Manchester United team who have also looked really good beating Manchester City as of recent, and you know really giving Arsenal a run for their money this past weekend. Yeah, this is this is you know going to be one of the games of the tournament for Europa and it comes in the play play in. Yeah. Um, th- this could have been, if not the final, at least like the semifinal. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I have Barcelona highlighted here. It hurts. It hurts. I think United are going to struggle um, depth wise. I think United are in a really good place right now. Um, as a fan, I think I'm prone to being really pessimistic when it comes to believing in United, and I think I'm not alone in that just because we've had like just such a bad run in like the past almost decade. Um, but I think I think Barca just has the the game control. I think United are going to struggle to contain, maybe not contain, but like struggle to get possession. Um, you know, obviously we've seen improvements in that area as you have, uh, like Casemiro, uh, has been a phenomenal influence and, and, you know, he, he'll have played against Barca lots, um, as, as a former Real Madrid player. Yep. And United have the the quality to score goals. You know, I, I could fully see Rashford bagging a beautiful goal in this game, but I think that Barca are, are going to have too much control, um, too much possession. I think that, you know, similar to that Arsenal game where we saw them really dominate in the in the last like twenty minutes, uh, Barca are just going to look to to press in from the sides to put them under a lot of pressure, and I think United might crack a little bit. I don't think that we're quite there yet. I don't think that that should be cause for concern. I just think that Barca have a little bit more right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's going to come down to, like you said, the depth and the stamina, and I think Barcelona is going to have these midfielders of Casemiro, Eriksen, and even Bruno Fernandes running around the field throughout the game a little bit too much that when it comes down to 
those last 15 to 20 minutes, they're going to be a little too tired to keep up. Yeah. All right. Uh, Shakhtar Donetsk versus Rens. I got I got Shakhtar here, which I think is actually an underdog pick. Um, but I don't think Rens have been that good. I think Shakhtar Donetsk have been better than people give them credit for. I don't really have more reasons than that. Um, you know, potentially, I know that uh, that Mudrick, um, who was a Donetsk player, is now uh, at Chelsea, so maybe that makes a difference. But I don't know. That's that's kind of a guess, I would say. But yeah, I, I mean, still like him I more. Think you, I think you always have to give a little bit of an edge to these teams who have been in the UCL, just given that they've had to play against that that top tier competition. And you know, at the beginning of the season back in September, they did beat Leipzig. Yep. Uh, they drew Celtic twice, and they also drew Real Madrid. So you know, they were a competitive team. Yeah. In in this UCL, and. I think that that Rennes has been all right in the French league, but they're they're not at the top of that league either. So yeah. I think this I, I could I could definitely see this matchup going to Donetsk. Yeah. Uh Ajax versus Union Berlin. I am taking the underdog. I'm taking Union Berlin in this game. Ajax been a bit disappointed this season. Berlin have been really good this season. They are t- or uh just just above Leipzig in in second place right now in the Bundesliga. They're only three points adrift of Bayern right now. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I was looking at this matchup and I was saying, you know, give me Berlin. Ajax have been mediocre in in the Dutch league, and then if correct me if I'm wrong, the loss of Cody Yakpo. Uh, uh, no, is... that was PSV. Oh, sorry, he was on PSV. Yeah. Well, then then that's that's unfortunate for PSV, and that'll definitely be adding that into when we talk about PSV. Yep. But. Uh, a team that's been that's been mediocre against another team who has just been, you know, successful. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Salzburg versus Roma. This should be an easy pick. This should be Roma all day. Yeah, give me Roma. I like this team. And like we've said, the Serie A has looked competitive this year. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to have had that better competition. Yeah. And Roma right now, you know, in the, in the Serie A table are sitting at, putting up air quotes fifth right now, but they're tied basically for third. Um, just kind of falling into fifth on goal differential. Um, but they are like literally one point from being in second. Uh, obviously, Napoli are way out ahead in there. But yeah, I think Salzburg are just not as good a team. I think Roma play in a better league, have looked better. Um, I think that Jose Mourinho is doing some good work there. Don't think that game's going to be like particularly close. Or if it's close on the scoreline, I don't think that it'll look close in the game i think roma are gonna have a lot of control uh juventus versus Nantes. i want to take juventus just Nantes aren't that good that's kind of it yeah i'm not gonna lie to you i never heard of Nantes before i i see that they're in the french league here but way down the table you got it you got to give it to juventus yeah they haven't had a great season in in the italian league this year but i keep repeating myself this italian league's looked good and Juventus, they still they're still one of those teams who yeah. will always find a way to to be competitive, no matter what game they're playing. Yeah, uh, I'm about to butcher this pronunciation. We got uh, Sporting CP versus Michelin. Give me Sporting CP. Michelin are the best team in I think Denmark, but it's Denmark, 
say what yeah. you will about the Portuguese league, but it's it's not Denmark. Um, no, and we've said that the Portuguese league, you know, isn't really like they're they're not great, but they're not terrible. They got Porto, they got Benfica, who we've we said could could definitely be good in this UCL knockout round. Yeah, and Sporting historically have also just been you know a good team. Yeah, no, I think that they're uh, you know one of those one of those top four. Maybe, maybe you could make an argument for top three Portuguese teams that are, you know, seasonally competitive, like every single year. So I, I, I yep. give that to them. Uh, Leverkusen versus Monaco should be Leverkusen. They've played really well recently. They um, have. I think that they're a solid team. Don't think Monaco are that good. Um, you know, another French team that has fallen slightly down the table. Uh, they're sitting at fourth, but like a good 10 points behind PSG right now. So yeah, I like Leverkusen there. Uh, and then our last game, Sevilla versus PSV. This one was, I took a look at the odds book for this one, and I think actually PSV were an underdog, or at least like a very slight not underdog. They are a slight underdog. A slight underdog. Sevilla are 15th right now in La Liga. I don't know yeah. how, and, and PSV are playing really well. I mean, they're in third in the Dutch league. So like, not like phenomenally, but better than 15th. I, I, the Dutch league again, kind of like I would say the uh, Portuguese league is. You know, you have a couple of really solid teams, but I don't really know why this is close. Yeah, no, I agree. Give me PSV, uh, Sevilla, just inconsistent and not you know not having a good season overall. Yeah, yeah. PSV, sorry, go ahead. That that uh, yeah that just that brings us through the Europa, and I think there is. There is one last, you know, topic that we need to talk about. All right. And and that is, is Erling Holland the best finisher of all time? Oh, baby. Oh, no. oh my goodness. It, we can't say that yet. I don't think we can say that yet. Because, because. Will he be the best finisher if, of all time? He, we'll change, if, I'll change my question. Will this, he be the best finisher of all time? This should not be a debate. If only because if he continues at this pace, then absolutely, yes, he is definitely the best finisher of all time, right? We didn't see this from from Messi, Ronaldo, from, um, you know, Maradona. We haven't seen this from, from anybody, Harry Kane. Like, this this level of consistency and, and goal scoring at this pace is unprecedented. I don't... Call me a pessimist just because we haven't seen it before, but I don't think he can keep up the space. Yeah, but there's something there's something to be said, you know. Of he's got he's got what four hat tricks. Yeah, he's one behind Alan Sure for most hat tricks in a season. Yeah, and it's January. Yeah, Alan Sure has twelve hat tricks all time in the EPL. Yeah, he's halfway through his. First season. Can we what, also? What is, what is there to say about about this man who you know he has the talent around him to make him to make him look this good? Yeah. But what else? What else is there to say about the person who's put the ball in the net this many times? I think that you could make an argument. I mean, Alan Shearer is not in the debate for the greatest finisher of all time. I mean, he holds the record for most goals in the EPL, I believe. Um, But, you know, he played for Newcastle and, like, a good iteration of Newcastle, but definitely not this iteration of Manchester City. No. Um, You know, 
obviously I'm not going to be a fool and say that, that 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 no part of this is Erling Holland, but I also think that if you put like Harry Kane up front or you know a couple of seasons ago Ronaldo up front for this Man City team, we would have seen similar results. Like they just have so many tools to feed balls up to him and he has had some phenomenal goals, but he's also had so many tap-ins. We saw Riyad Mahrez for the hat trick in the last game like Every opportunity to shoot just selflessly passes across the face of the goal. Let's Holland bag a hat trick again. Like, yeah, that's that's a Holland goal, and like, yeah, he's finished it, but like, he's had a few of those already. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm ready to say that yet. I don't think I'm ready to say he's the greatest finisher of all time yet. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. Like, I think it's 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 gonna take a lot. Like, I mean, who who would you say is the best finisher of all time right now? Because I think it's Ronaldo, and I don't think that there's much debate on that. I think Messi is the GOAT. Yep. But but pure finishing, pure goal scoring, like, I don't necessarily even like the man, but, yeah, Ronaldo. Statistically, Ronaldo. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely, he's definitely got to be in there. I think we got to have Kareem Benzema in there. Do we? He's, he's played along Ronaldo, like, in those times, and was yeah. a significant portion of all of those Real Madrid victories and stuff yeah. like that. And then he also, as soon as Ronaldo leaves, he goes out and wins a Ballon d'Or. But, the, but like, the GOAT? No, no, we said the best finisher. The best yeah, yeah, finisher. yeah, but the greatest of all time finisher. The the GOAT? I don't, I don't <laughs> think he's the GOAT, brother. I don't think he's the GOAT. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think back to, to other players who who could who could match i think you i think you gotta be right i think it's gotta be ronaldo yeah i don't think that there's another player that i i can't think of another player that i think is isn't even necessarily in that conversation we've had we've seen some phenomenal players that can finish um phenomenally as well um like you know we're thinking way back but you don't think as of like maradona or pele as finishers they like were probably more talented than Messi even, like, just on the ball. Like, in terms of just pure magic, they were unparalleled. Maybe, uh, maybe a Robert Lewandowski? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right, you're right. I think I, I would go Ronaldo Lewandowski and then maybe Benzema. Um, right now, I, again, Holland easily could break into that, give him, like, a couple of years, and if we see his, his pace continue at what it is right now, then I'm gonna be terrified frankly but you know eating my words a little bit yeah i i'm excited to see what what he holds for the rest of the season and then you know how this ucl run looks for a city team who who has been really good and then i i think can't finish that uh yeah that yeah that league off all right well i think that's kind of it i agree and uh it's been it's been a good chat. That was our deep dive into soccer this week, and that puts us at uh, on the rotation basketball next week. All right, well, we'll see you guys next week. Sounds good. Under review is recorded and edited by Micah Yonker and Sam Dreckage. Thanks for listening.